Luke chapter 17, verse 20. And I'm going to say one more word of prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Father, calm me, direct my thoughts, direct my words. Help me in this moment, Father, to convey the truth, the eternal truth from your word. Your church needs it, Father. Your church needs the words that I'm going to say this morning because they are words from your word. And I pray, Father, that they would find the heart, not the mind. (laughs) I pray they would find the heart this morning and that they would do an eternal work. Give me your Holy Spirit power. I'm asking for it right now, Father. I need your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Luke 17, verse 20. We're going to read quite a few verses here, uh, so follow along if you need it on the screen, or if you, have, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, there's a few in the pews. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, just look at that. Just in and of itself, right? Who did they think they were? And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there, or behold, the kingdom of God is within you. There's a lot of truth in this. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of those days of the Son of Man. And ye shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, see here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning and the lighteth out of part of under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day of Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. In other words, they did life, right? But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop. This is some crazy stuff. Let's tune in here, right? In that day, which he shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not go down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there shall be two Men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. If you're in this generation, don't read too much into these words, okay? <laughs> it doesn't say what you think it says. That's all I can say. I do, I do read from the King James Bible. If you have a message Bible or an NIV, I promise it doesn't say that, okay? So just bear with me. Humor me. Two women grinding together. I, I, okay. All right, and it just came from a place where two men were in the same bed. I don't know. Okay, all right, moving on. Look, the elephant was in the room regardless. I might as well address it, right? We're going to get there. It's going to take me 25 minutes into the message to get to those verses, but I had to just let the air out of that balloon real quick, okay? Two men shall be in a field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, where, Lord? 
We don't want to know where they're at, okay? No, I'm kidding. Uh, where, Lord? And he said unto them, I crack my, if you're new today, I crack myself up constantly. It's going to happen repeatedly, so bear with me. Uh, and he said unto them, wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Once again, it's not eagles. In the text, the Greek, when you pull out the word, it's really vulture. Why they said eagle, eagle, eagle? <laughs> why they said eagle, not quite sure, uh, but we'll get to that as well, because it doesn't really make sense with, with eagle. But anyway, the, the Bible wasn't written in English. Anybody know that? It was written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek and Aramaic. So when we translate the Bible, sometimes there are things that are lost in translation, right? Like between husband and wives and two men in the same bed, things like that. Anyway, hold on, I need a, I need a quick drink. All right, we're good to go. So let's jump in. We're looking into 17 verses that are loaded with kingdom truth. 17 verses that are loaded with kingdom truth. Now, when I say kingdom, what does that mean? What does that trigger in your mind? And here's some of the the information, right, that I I hope to impart to you so that you kind of have context behind what Jesus is talking about. The Pharisees were demanding an answer about the kingdom. But clearly, Jesus was talking about a what? A different kingdom than the one they were talking about. I was going to put my suit coat on this morning and act all fancy, but I'm way too hot. The whole point of that was to say, I don't care what you wear to our church. If you want to wear a suit and tie, there used to be. uh, So, Pastor Ray, are you the lone wolf now? Are you the only one with a suit and tie? Jim used to do it. Listen, if you want to dress up and come to our church, dress up and come to our church. Next week, I'll be in a ball cap and a t-shirt, okay? Uh, so we're just mixing it up, but I, it's, it's way too hot in here. How many of you are hot? Any of you? How many of you are just right? Oh, that's good. All right. I'm hot, so I'm not putting my jacket on. All right. Failed illustration. But all that being said, this is a come as you are church. I want to impart some kingdom, kingdom truth to you. Now, if I say, hey, what is a kingdom? Someone tell me. Okay, Heaven. Somebody else, when I say, hey, this can be anything. What is, what is it, when, when I say kingdom, what do you think about? A community under a king, like a monarchy kind of thing, right? I mean, I'm, I was anticipating someone say, I think of Game of Thrones. Anyone think of that? Right? Okay, cool. Thanks for being honest, bro. I appreciate it. We don't, in, in our country, in our democracy, we, uh, we have a hard time putting these things, these thoughts into order because it's not how we've lived. We can only dream or think of, uh, of like the crown, right? Love that Netflix series, right? We can only think of things that we watch that can define that for us. And then we, we approach, I mean, whether you think you do or not, you approach the text with those preconceived notions, right? Well, I think a kingdom is this, or I think a kingdom is that, right? But you have to define uh, the kingdom by what Jesus was talking about. And if not, you run the risk of being like the Pharisee, of talking about a completely different kingdom than the one Jesus was talking about. And haven't we all seen that, right? Churches nowadays in this postmodern culture where people are defining things in Scripture and we just all have that gut feeling that that was not original intent. That was maybe not the way Jesus designed it to be. Anyone get that feeling when we see some of the churches? Some of the, I dare say, cults? Some of what has developed in recent years? I don't know that it's the kingdom. 
I don't know that it's the look and feel of what Jesus wanted. Can anybody track with me on that? Okay. So, how do we define it? I hope to help you. Acts 1-3 says, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion. So this is a text here. Go back to the slide number two. The point is, is during the, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, after he was crucified, went into the grave on the third day, uh, he rose. Slide number two, if you can't, I'm telling you, he's just jumping back and forth, poor guy. God bless him back there. We're looking here at Acts 1-3, to whom also he showed himself alive, who, about 500 people, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, don't miss this, and speaking of the things pertaining to the what? Kingdom of God. It was so important to Jesus. It was the message he had after he was raised from the dead. Listen, if we could tune in, if we could figure out what he said, what came out of his mouth during those 40 days after he died on the cross and was risen, after he defeated death, hell, and the grave, some of you, if if this doesn't make any sense, it's okay. Hang on. Uh, We'll land the plane eventually. But for others, you need to understand this. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, when he was seen of others, was preaching about the kingdom. That was the message. That was the topic, if you will. So I would venture to say that we should, in our churches today, be talking about the what? The kingdom. All right? So think think about this. Many infallible proofs. He was seen, I think I have this written. Um, no, I don't, I didn't write it, but it's over 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Everybody talks about what's the proof in the pudding for the book? How do we know that this is real? How do we know that the word of God is right? How do we know anything? If you're going to court today and there was an eyewitness at the scene of an accident, who are you calling to go to court with you? The eyewitness. And that eyewitness will say, guess what? I what? I happen. Yesterday I was at Starbucks, and doggone if somebody didn't drive through that window. Anybody know I'm talking about right in White Marsh? Somebody drove through the whole, the whole thing. So it's like all plywooded up, and we're laughing about it. We're like in there, this is crazy. Look at all this plywood. Everywhere we're getting our coffee. And this man walks in, and he's howdying. You know, the barista knew who he was. And about two seconds later, this lady comes in, sir, sir. Is that your Escalade? And he's like, uh-huh. And she's like, that car just hit it. <laughs> and so we like look over, and this car is literally going, Poof, pulling up, Poof, <laughs> hitting the Escalade repeatedly, trying to like turn. And they're trying, I'm telling you, they're trying to get out of there so fast, right? They backed up, and you know, he could have parked in a parking space, but you know what I'm talking about right there in White Marsh? He pulled right up next to the store. Of course, because he's in an Escalade, you know what I'm saying? He gets out, he's like, yeah, you know what I'm going to go talk to my barista. They already know my drink. I could have done a multiple order, but I didn't because I want to walk in and I want people to know that they know me because I'm here every day in my Escalade. No joke. You should have seen the way his countenance changed in two seconds. Why did it change? Because there was an eyewitness account as to what happened. And he took those facts and he applied them to the current situation and he involved himself in that situation and he was a rather large man telling them to park the car and get out, having the smartphone. And I'm like, I just want to video it. Y'all mind? Everybody consent? Okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But an eyewitness account changed everything. Here we are. 
2,000 years later, and we're still talking about it. We're still discussing things pertaining to the kingdom. Why? 500 people. 500. That's a lot. I'm talking the whole climate in the Starbucks changed because one lady said, hey, yo, my man just go Escalade. <laughs> 500 people said, oh, my goodness, I see Jesus walking. 500 people said what he said was true. 500 people saw him. Even Thomas, yes, the doubter, put his hand in his side and said, oh, my goodness gracious. I tickled his spleen a little bit. This is legit. 500 people. You could take that to court and Jesus could sit on the stand in his glorified body at this point and there could be 500 people, every one of them coming up and testifying. Tell me what else could be the proof in the pudding besides an eyewitness account that would put their name down on it, that not only would put their name down on it, that would within their lifetime die for the cause of Jesus because they saw it. Son, I'm kind of passionate about the kingdom. And I'm kind of passionate about the fact that people saw it. This isn't some ethereal idea. This is something that is tangible and it's in front of us. And it was not what the Pharisees thought. Think about this. These verses here in the tail end of Luke 17 are just that. They're pertaining to the kingdom of God. What we're about to dive into in this text is exactly what Jesus was talking about after he raised from the dead. Think about it. First, we need to understand this kingdom. Slide three. What do you think of? Here, here's, here's, let me just help you. Let me fill in the blanks. There's two kingdoms talked about in scripture. When you read the Bible, there's two that you're going to see and that we can unpack. And you'll see the one that we're going to unpack today. The first one is the earthly. That's the seen kingdom, the physical kingdom. So regardless of whether or not uh, there is a world leader, regardless of whether or not Donald Trump sits in a white house and is the leader of the free world, Jesus is over him. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher power, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. So the first thing to understand is that there is an earthly physical kingdom. There is a kingdom that these Pharisees were talking about, and that kingdom is under God. Mm. Regardless of whether those leaders act like it or not. So if you don't like a leader, pray for him. Because the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Come on. The point is, is that God is sovereign. That's a ruling term. That's a, I'm over what is happening on this planet Earth. We all want to talk about, I guess the teens were talking about the extraterrestrial. We had that conversation Wednesday night, don't remember me. What is outside of this planet? Listen, we got enough grace to say, we, we have enough to say grace over what happens on our planet. Who cares about Area 51, right? Who cares about what's going on outside? We got enough dirt in our own four walls to worry about. So here's my point. What you see physically is a part of God's kingdom. To prove it. Okay, Psalm 29.10. The Lord sitteth. Upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Whatever is happening, whatever is physical, God is the God over the physical. So chill, so rest, so cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I know the man upstairs. All those statements, right? I'm giving you theology behind it. Well, I just don't know what's going to happen. Bless him, Lord. Right? We're so, like, <laughs> flippant. Oh, no, 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 no. He knows what ha what's going to happen. He knows what's good. He knows, <laughs> I, phew, controlling myself, almost said a joke. 
let it go. Psalm 145, 13, listen to this. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion. Remember what he told Adam in the beginning. Have dominion over these things. Rule over these things. The physical world is under God's dominion throughout all generations. Check this out. Oh, this is good. 2 Peter 3, 12 through 13, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, one of you said heaven. When, when I say, what do you think about the kingdom? She says heaven, right? One says earth. Well, this verse says, the coming of the day when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So eventually, these two kingdoms will be renovated by fire. That sounds like global what? Exactly. It's in the text. There it is. If these politicians knew, all they had to do is stand up and read 2 Peter 3, 12 through 13, they would gain the conservative vote. Listen, I'm talking about global warming. Anyway, I'm <laughs> sorry for the three of you. Church, the point is, is that eventually, eventually, the whole heavens and earth will be burned by fire. And they will become one kingdom, earthly, spiritual, and physical. But that ain't yet. How many woke up to a huge solar flare that burned everything around them? Has that happened yet? Anybody seen a zombie apocalypse lately? Something that looks like that? No. So we understand this, that one day it's coming. One day these kingdoms will be merged. Here's, here's what it is now. Spiritual, hopefully you're learning something. Stay with me, come on. Spiritual, unseen, internal, and eternal kingdom. Acts 7.53. When it comes to the internal spiritual kingdom, here's a few points about it that I thought were interesting. He uses angels, whom have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. So one really cool thing to consider and think about is when it comes to the internal and eternal kingdom of God, things like the word of God that speak to that internal kingdom, God uses angels to move about the country. You know, like we use airplanes, Southwest Airlines. He tells his angels, hey, take that word and go share it with them. Wow, isn't that crazy? How many of you believe in aliens? No one, more, only like three. Me? <laughs> and they're all in seventh grade, every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have to marry ourselves to these crazy ideas when the Bible says that angels exist? There are things beyond our physical nature. And those things are angels. Those things are heavenly hosts. Those things are spiritual. Those things are demonic oppression. One third of those angels that fell from heaven, the devil himself moves freely about as a spiritual being, an angel of light, right? Like there's so many things in scripture and the Bible says that those are the things that are contributing to the internal spiritual kingdom. And that's why we call it spiritual warfare, right? We understand that there is an internal kingdom. The one that Jesus was talking about that the Pharisees didn't know nothing about Romans 9, 4 through 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth, watch this, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers of the whom as concerning the flesh of Christ came? Who is over all? God blessed forever, amen. God uses nations. Stay with me, laying some groundwork, teaching you something, all right? It's okay, I'll give you an A plus if you listen. I'll give you a little stamp on your, on your hand on the way out today. The Bible says that God uses 
actions in the spiritual kingdom. In the spiritual realm, as it pertains to the Bible and the covenants and the promises, God used a nation. So there's a blurring of lines again where God uses physical nations, God uses spiritual beings, all in the spiritual internal kingdom. Hebrews, thir- Hebrews 1, 3 through 4, and this is the greatest news ever. Jesus is in charge of it. Who being the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Oh my goodness gracious. How do all of these things exist? How do they coalesce together? How do they operate and move and breathe if we have, Pastor Matt, a a physical world that God is over and then a spiritual realm that God is over? How do the two work together? Here's how. Jesus simply, say it with me. Oh, y'all went back to the simply. We can do that. Ready? Ready? Say it with me. You like that fast move? I was watching Dancing with the Stars last night with my wife. That's right. I learned something. I learned that I can move better than Ray Lewis. The only dance he knew was his dance on the field. Everything else, he was like, <laughs> poor dude. You know what I'm talking about? Who watched that? That was some funny stuff. Anyway, <laughs> stay with me. You're like, how can I? Physical, spiritual, here's the ruler that makes it all go around. Jesus, check this, by his power, he had made by himself, purged our sins. Jesus took what was killing the earthly kingdom. Jesus took what was harming the earth. It isn't our pollution, and yes, it does. It isn't the bottles that we throw in the bay. Yes, it does affect it. What really affects it is our sin. What really affects it is the presence of evil in this world. So in the physical realm, understand that Jesus took care of that. In the spiritual realm, where there's spiritual forces and there's angels that are moving about, you know what I'm saying. Guess what? He rules sovereign over them too. Let me finish the text. Set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh my goodness. Being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He said there's a sovereign and I'm going to sit at his right hand. Oh, we're going to get to that. Let's dialogue about the three people here in the text in this story. Let's dialogue. Ready? Luke 17, did I give you a little bit of information about the kingdom? Did I load you up a little bit about that? Let's take that context of what scripture says about the kingdom and let's dive into what Jesus was saying. Now we can kind of understand a little bit of what the Pharisees were asking for and what Jesus slapped them upside the head with. Okay, just in case you're wondering, you want to be on Jesus' side at the end of this message, not the Pharisees or even really the disciples, okay? Okay. So there's three people in this story. Jesus, the disciples, and the Pharisees. I probably said that. Oh, I did say it backwards. Jesus, the Pharisees, and the disciples. The Pharisees, all they wanted to see was the earthly physical kingdom. They just wanted this one over here. Set it up. Circle the wagons. Rule and reign. Make it good for me here and now. The spiritual kingdom posed a problem for them. The disciples, the spiritual kingdom positions for them for eternal, it positions them for eternal significance. And Jesus, the spiritual kingdom, is made manifest in him. That's the point of this text. He brings the kingdom to light. 
okay? So those are the three people that we're going to talk about. There's a problem, though. I'm spitting everywhere. There is a, <laughs> there, <laughs> you're all right. I love you, Smitty. So good to see you. There's a problem. Does anybody see? Let, let's go to the text. Verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Does anybody feel the tension in the text? I like that. Tension in the text. Hashtag tension in the text. If they had Twitter, that's what they would be tweeting right there. Does anybody feel the tension? How the Pharisees were like, yo, what is going on with this kingdom? And he was like, you can't see it. <laughs> That's what's going on. Jesus, there was clearly a problematic view that they had towards the kingdom of God. Let me explain it to you. Verse 20. Oh, I love this. This is probably my favorite thing in the whole message. That word there in verse 20. It says, was demanded of the Pharisees. And, and he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. The Greek word underneath what we see as the text, eripateo, or eperoteo. I'm not good at pronouncing Greek, but that's it. Here's what it means. A request, I'm getting happy, this is crazy. It's a request from someone of equal standing. The Greek word in this text, when they demanded, tell us what is going on with the kingdom, that demand, that, that word there, eperiteo, eperiteo, I want you, because we are peers, to explain to me what is happening. It, it connotates one king asking another king for a rite of passage. As it pertains to the kingdom, in the text, the Pharisees were saying, I'm a king and you're a king. Why don't you grant me passage through your kingdom? That is a problem. There's a problematic view here in the text, and here's the first thing. When we should be giving respect, but instead are putting in requests. We might have to, we are going to have to break this up into a couple weeks. We're probably only going to get to the problematic part in the text, and then we'll get to the good stuff next week, okay? Because it's 12.02. We'll see. But there's a problem. Church, look at me. Follow me. Track with me with this. The Pharisees in this story looked at Jesus like a peer. My goal here is for, for all of you to have a healthy view of the kingdom of God. My goal is that all of you are like disciples when we walk away, and the spiritual kingdom leverages you to a place of eternal significance. But the problem is the Pharisees thought they were already significant. They thought they already had it in the bag. They thought because their last name was Israel, that they were set up to rule and reign in that physical kingdom. Here's the problematic view of the kingdom of God. If you are making requests of God when you should be showing respect to God, chances are you've got an improper, problematic view of the kingdom of God. How many times have we found ourselves treating Jesus like he's our peer instead of like he's our king? 
We wouldn't know that if we not, didn't study the word of God and know that the Pharisees were the Pharisees because they looked at Jesus like a peer. I think we just need to sit there for a minute. When it comes to the kingdom of God and you guys are trying to figure out what does this mean for me? Where do I fit in the kingdom of God? What do you want me to do, God? Why don't you just stop asking? Why don't you stop the requests for a little while? And just find your place. Just find your place for a minute. Stop putting the cart before the horse when it comes to the kingdom of God. Stop playing Game of Thrones in this situation and trying to level up because there is no level. He is the sovereign. He is, we already established, seated over all. And if we are who he says we are, we sang. I was right here, remember, just a few minutes ago. and I am who you say I am. Let's go back to that moment. I really liked it. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. The Pharisees were going, I am who you think you are. Oh, do you feel it now? I feel like you just felt it. Do you feel the tension in the text? I'm making a demand and you're going to tell me what I want to know. How many of you entered your prayer life like that within the last week? Chances are, you're barging into the king's throne room and you don't know your place. The disciples weren't demanding. That word is only used in that tense, king to king, and only the Pharisees approach you. Here's the second thing. When we measure the kingdom in what we see, here's the second problem in the internal spiritual kingdom, is the Pharisees were measuring it by what they saw. Look at verse 20 again. Someone keeps calling my phone. Lord, break their phone right now. Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. I say that with all due respect before I make a request. And when he demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, this is what we do. We walk through the text. The text is where the life is. Ready? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with, what's the next word? Observation. Here's the problematic view of the kingdom number two. The problematic is when we measure the kingdom in what is seen. I love this. What have we been talking about over the last two weeks? Increase our what? Faith. We are measuring our success in what we cannot measure. Man, this is amazing. For all of you goal setters and list makers, this kills you. This trashes your theology. You're like, I'm so done with God's kingdom right now. I have to see it. It's got to be tangible. And Jesus said, I'm sorry. This is not with observation. Here's the second thing. It's not by observance. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't give this illustration right now. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to give it anyway. A solo cup. It's what? Huh? Okay, great observation. It's a really good thing that this is not by observation, right? Tell me something of intrinsic value in a solo cup. None of you are hitting it. No, it's not. (laughs) When you're done with this, what are you going to do with it? No, you're not. You're going to leave it on the floor. Every one of you, every week, you leave your coffee cups on the floor in here. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm totally playing with you. I don't care. Leave your coffee cups on the floor. 
I can be a servant. It's not by observation. <laughs> the point is, is it's disposable. It's disposable. A red Solo cup is disposable. Some of y'all are cheap. I reuse it. I wash it. I put it back in the cabinet. What is wrong with you people? No. Oh, my goodness gracious. I love it. I love it. Just make sure you're tithing and that you're not being stingy with the Lord, okay? That's what... Oh, my goodness gracious. What makes it great is that it's disposable. It's not about the cup. It's what's what in it. And thank God it ain't clear. You know what I'm saying. No judgment. It's what's in the cup that matters. It's what's in the cup that will produce some crazy things. Right? Red Solo cup. If some of you, see, we're real good with these illustrations, aren't we? We're like, yeah, red solo cup. Yeah, remember that one time? It would be amazing if we were all red solo cups. But the problem is these Pharisees were golden chalices with diamonds all over them. And they were like, check my cup out. You know what I'm saying? I, you're going to feel so good when you drink from me. And Jesus says, I don't want them drinking from you. I want them drinking from my well. I want you to be a vessel unto honor. My kingdom is not about something that can be seen. My kingdom is about what's in the cup, not what the cup looks like. I'm telling you, we got to get it straight. We have to put the perspective right as it pertains to the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were like, bring it. When is the physical king happening? Kingdom happening, king. When are you making me a ruler? I've been dealing with Roman oppression long enough. I am from my family. I am from Father Abraham. And Jesus said, you were only a vehicle. The Abrahamic covenant is only a covenant to get us to the new covenant. It's only a solo cup so that I can pour living water in it over and over again. And when your cup dies, I'm going to raise up another. When one prophet dies, I'm going to raise up another prophet. Why? Because it's about my kingdom. It's about living water. It's not about how beautiful your cup is. It's not about how golden it is. It's not about how many jewels are on it or how many diamonds are on it. This physical kingdom is not it. It cannot be observed. It's about what's in the cup. The third problem that I see with the view of the kingdom from the Pharisees is when we are searching, oh, but not experiencing. When we are, when we are searching church, but not experiencing. Look at verse 21. This is all we'll have time for today. I hate to leave you all on such a negative note, but you'll have to come back for the positive stuff next week. You know what I'm saying? Here we go. 21. Neat. Let's go back to 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, king to king, when the kingdom of God shall come, when is it coming? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God, it, it comes not by observation. Watch this. Neither, neither, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. In other words, hey, it's over here. Or yo, Sorry, I get loud. Some of them are like, hey, it's over there. No, 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 no. Listen to what he says. For behold, the kingdom of God is what? Within you. Within you. Here's the third problem with the Pharisees. Hey, it's over here. Hey, it's over there. Nope, you can't see it. You can, however, observe its byproducts. The problem is when we are searching, 
but not experiencing. Let me tell you what I mean, and I'll land the plane for today. Some of you will go church to church to church to church. Some of you will go 10 days on with your walk with God, 10 days off with your prayer. Some of you will go, I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? How many deal with cycles in a bad way within their spiritual life, within their spiritual kingdom? It's okay. You can be honest. I do. My hand's up. Sweating everything. Church, a problematic view of the kingdom. <laughs> Listen to it. A problematic view is when we are searching but not experiencing. Stop saying it's over here and it's over there. Go inside. It's within you. The kingdom of God is something that will work a work from the inside, what? Out. Here's what I mean. The disciples were sitting there going, think, think about this, church. The disciples were sitting there going, he's right. I left everything I had. Think about this. There's three people in the story. Jesus, the Pharisees, and the disciples. We just, we just shred, we roasted the Pharisees. You, these three points, roast them, right? You guys feel that? If you don't, go back and listen to the podcast when we're done. We're roasting the Pharisees right now. That's what we're doing. Next, next week, and next week, <clears throat> next week, we're going to see what the kingdom of God is, and it's really good stuff. But before we can get there, we have to stop searching and start experiencing. I wonder if we would just take time to be still for a minute. You may feel something that you've never felt. Remember the first problem is when you don't come with respect and you come with requests. I feel like church, we we just need today to humble ourselves a little bit. Today we just need to drop a knee a little bit. We need to say, oh, you know what? I did legs Friday. I can barely walk. We just, church, look at me. We just need to come into the presence of God in this eternal kingdom today and take a knee. You know what? Maybe respect will yield so much more than a request ever would. No, No one said that you can't ask things of God. In prayer, we're going to talk about it. The very next chapter, the very, Luke 18, the very next chapter, we're going to talk about how to pray to God. But you're praying from a place of knowing who, Jesus, knowing who Jesus is in your life. I've got it all figured out. We are going to do this thing for God. And He is going to work for us And he's going to accomplish a great work in my life whether he wants to or not. This is going to be golden. Just ask me, I'll tell you. Hey, this isn't a king-to-king thing. The internal kingdom is something that you need to respect. And stop making these, like, peer requests. Stop sending him emails like he's a co-worker. He's the king. Have some respect. And then realize this. It cannot be observed. What we're talking about is not a metric you can cling to. It's a behavior that can be seen. You like that, don't you? It's behaviors. It ain't metrics. Church. 
these are some problematic views of the kingdom of God that hopefully we can set in order and unpack the kingdom the right way next week. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus quickly...